This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Hey everybody, it's Peter here, coming to you not from the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Battle Dome, where we normally record. No, we are here with a special addition to our podcast feed, just for you podcast listeners. And I'm here, not alone, but with our social media superstar, Emma Choi. Emma, say hello. Hi, Peter. Hi, everybody. Now, if you've never been to our Instagram or Facebook feed, you've never heard Emma's voice before, which means you're probably my age. So... (laughs) Emma, can you explain what it is you do for Wait, Absolutely. Wait, Don't Tell Me? Well, basically, I just bully you every week into being in a social media TikTok with me. Or I just take something uh, that our show does and make it absolutely incomprehensible. And people seem to like it. So. They do. <laughs> so what we're going to do today uh, for you podcast uh, feed listeners is we're going to talk about some of our personal favorite bits. I'm gonna, I am gonna. have a few. Emma has a few. I have no idea, by the way, what she is going to say. Nor I. So here we go. Uh, let us start. I want to start, Emma, with yes. my, uh, my one of my favorite things that we did this year was one of the very first things we did this year, mm-hmm. which is how we covered uh, the unpleasantness on January 6th at the Capitol. Oh, yeah. So here we go. Here is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me takes on uh, the sacking of the U.S. Capitol and the possible end of American democracy. Your first quote is from the President of the United States in a video he posted on Wednesday afternoon. We love you. You're all very special. The President was saying something he has never once said to his own children, to people (laughs) who at that moment were doing what? Bursting into the Capitol in the the U.S. Capitol. They were sacking the Capitol, yes. A mob breached the Capitol building of what NPR is calling an insurrection by pro-Trump extremists, and Fox News is calling a self-guided tour of the Senate chambers. Now, it all looked pretty scary, but don't worry, the National Guard was on standby, ready to act if any one of those people kneeled during the national anthem. (laughs) I was mightily concerned about the fashions on display from the people trying to do Mm. the coup. It looked like Farm and Fleet goes to Burning Man. It was really... (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was looking at it and I love how the capital is so open, right? Like it's the people's house and that's why it was easy to get in. But I have to say, there's a castle on the island that I'm from in Cove and it has like little slits at the top of it to pour hot oil out of. It has <laughs> oh, yeah. it has what's called a murder hole. <laughs> yes. And it works, you know, it's worked for 2000 years now to keep out the uh, the marauders in their terrible fashions. Did you ever have to, as you were growing up in this island, serve in the castle to defend from marauders? Or does that only happen once you move to America? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? A lot of people are like, this is not America. And I'm like, but I've only ever seen this in America. <laughs> but I... <laughs> And I should also say that, like, the castle in Cove now, they just project a big Santa Claus onto it at Christmas time. It's not, the murder (laughs) hole is is no longer in use. (laughs) Well, not yet. 
<laughs> a couple things I'm proud of there. Uh, first of all, uh, we actually, as a joke, ended up predicting uh, something that the defenders of the president would actually do, which is describe the rioters as mere tourists in the Capitol. Yeah. That actually <laughs> happened. Again, another problem we've had for the last few years is trying to outdo reality. You know, I, I love it when we do really important stories at the top of the show, you know, because it makes me feel like, you know, like a real journalist. And actually, I was actually going to bring up another really important Who's Bill story that I think is was really important for us to do. Um, Peter, do you remember when we reported on the hot Disney dads? Yes. That how, was, how could I not? That was being... our Watergate. <laughs> Wait a minute. It was our Watergate in the sense of our being like Woodward and Bernstein or our sense of our being Nixon? Um, I don't know a lot of those people are, Peter. But... <laughs> uh, let's just say we're the people reporting the news. All right, that would be Woodward and Bernstein. Okay, that was, <laughs> okay. Uh, that's what you mean. Okay, there we go. All right, I got you. I got you. We're going to get the Pulitzer. All right. Yeah. Can we hear it? All right, Brent, here is your last quote. High cheekbones, strong eyebrows, no pores. The guy's a catch. That was a New York Times writer describing someone who he says is part of a trend of whom getting hotter. And, oh, this is these are the cartoon dads. Yes, the cartoon dads. Very good, Brent. Uh, according to the, the New York <laughs> Times, which has won 130 Pulitzer Prizes over its long history, released their latest investigation last week into whether or not cartoon dads <laughs> are getting hotter. And the answer is yabba-dabba-hubba-hubba. <laughs> the Times specifically uh, cites the dad in Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon, the elf dad from Onward, and the dad from Pixar's forthcoming Bridgerton. <laughs> I mean, you know, the idea, however, that this is a new trend is disrespectful to the classic Disney dads. A Little Mermaid wouldn't be half as good without King Triton's ripped abs oh. and absolutely dump truck tail. And don't even get me started on Mulan's father. More like the Dang Dynasty. Am I right, ladies? Hey! <laughs> and then there's the old man and up. I mean, he's not that hot, but we do know from the first nine minutes that he is single. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those character widowers. Mm. Peter, uh, I remember this episode. I will always remember this episode because I remember during the read-through, you didn't want to say absolute dump truck tale. And this, this, was, this is part of the era where I threatened to quit constantly with no leverage. And I was like, Peter, if you don't say absolute dump truck tale, I will quit this show forever. And you're like, okay. And I realized, yeah. and I was like, fine. But then you said it on air and... Um, I, sh I showed everyone in my extended family. There's a thousand of us Koreans, Peter, and I showed every single <laughs> thousands. one. Thousands. <laughs> There's <more>. thousands of us. <laughs> but, oh, God, I love that segment. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, everybody asks me about who my favorite guests are on the show, and we're always very lucky because thanks to you and the other producers, we get great guests. I can't think of a single one I wasn't delighted to talk to. I was really excited to talk to Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry is the great oh, yeah. British polymath and actor and writer and quiz show host, yes, quiz show host. Mm -hmm. And I've mm -hmm. always admired him for God knows how many decades. And we got into the topic of why you can hear him narrating the audiobooks for all the Harry Potter books, but only in the UK. And uh, I did something that I don't usually do, but I thought I could get away with, in which meaning I teased him, and it was okay. So it was great. This, yeah. th this is what happened. Uh, I should explain, by the way, that if people are saying, but wait, Jim Dale did the audiobooks for Harry Potter. That was the American version. That's we right. Apparently it's... didn't rate you. And I, I, for <laughs> one, is a fan of yours. Not no nothing against Mr. Dale. I'm I'm a little upset by that. 
Well, it's a peculiarity of copyright law in the world is that uh, that my version of reading the Harry Potter books was on sale in Canada and Australia and all around the world except the United States. Have you ever seen, noticed in books, it says this book is not for resale or even loaning in the United States. I used to say to friends, you'd get hold of a Penguin book or something, and you'd say this book can't even be let. I said, if I lent this to an American friend, I'd actually be breaking copyright law. And that's <laughs> true. Uh, I don't know what it is, but at some point in, I right. guess, the 1940s, as a result of Bretton Woods or one of those, you know, big uh, conferences, uh, it was decided that all copyright should be divided in the English-speaking world between the British and ex-Commonwealth countries, if you want to put it that way, and the United States. So you get your own versions. And do you remember in the early days of um, Amazon and such like, uh, you, you couldn't get British books if you were in America, and if you were in Britain, you couldn't get American books. You know, it, it, I, th I would never dare to give a man of your achievements advice, but it is possible, it is allowed to when respond to a comment like, oh, you did the audiobooks in Britain, to just say, yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you can be done. Are you the, saying the thing... I rather over-elaborated <laughs> in my answer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just an interesting point. It's like, oh, maybe our listeners don't know that he did the books outside of America. We got Jim Dale. And the next thing we know, we're talking about Bretton Woods. <laughs> Sir, That's you so truly sweet. are a Renaissance man. Uh, that was oh, amazing. A shattering bore is what <laughs> no! you mean. No! <laughs> <laughs> The, the great thing, Emma, was to discover, and this was a comfort to me in my, in my golden years, to discover that a man who is uh, 10 times as smart as I am is also commensurately more insecure. How did it feel to neg your childhood hero, Peter? Well, it was, a little, it was a little weird. I mean, he was going on about Bretton Woods, and I'm like, am I going to say this? Well, <laughs> I'm not in the same room with him, so he can't yeah. hit me. You seem faster than him, too. <laughs> Speaking of, of weird power dynamics, Peter, one of my favorite moments with you and somebody else was in Tanglewood. Remember the lettuce farmer? The, oh, God, the lettuce farmer. I should say, yeah. by the way, we were all a little uh, bouncy because yeah. we were out in front of a live audience and a big one, too, like 7,000 people outdoors yeah, in Tanglewood. And we had been locked inside for 20 months. So we were, we were running around like maniacs while standing still. But so that might 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 explain my attitude toward this caller. But please go ahead. Hi, you're on. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Hey, Peter, this is Nathan from Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Nathan, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, chilling. Chilling. Oh, chilling. I remember what chilling was like. <laughs> Nathan, what do you do in Raleigh? Um, I'm a lettuce farmer. <laughs> I farm lettuce. All right, I heard you. I was just reacting in shock. <laughs> I realize I've been eating lettuce more or less happily my whole life but it has never occurred to me that someone actually asked to grow it. <laughs> lettuce is just something yeah, that is. Yeah, it's hydroponic. So how do you get into the hydroponic lettuce business in 2021? Uh, I rented a room from the guy who ran the farm, and then I saw what he did, and I thought it was really fun, so I just told him to hire me, and now I've been there for like a few years, and I'm loving it. All right, and I'm going to ask this in a spirit of open inquiry. Hmm. What is fun about growing lettuce? <laughs> <laughs> uh, lettuce doesn't talk back when you uh, are trying to do your thing. <laughs> I don't know if you meant it that way, but I'm taking that a little personally. 
Uh, none of us believed he actually was growing lettuce. Just, just yeah, so everybody we, knows, everybody got the subtext there. You know, lettuce. Yeah, you know there's a I mean? little wink lettuce. and a smile. A little air I'm quotes also the person there. Who, I'm also the person who screens the caller, Peter, when they first call in. And I remember when this guy first left his voicemail, and he said, and I'm a lettuce farmer. I went... Oh, we got to have this guy on the show. <laughs> I knew, I knew you would get to this point in your brain, and I knew it was going to be magic. Ah, uh, Emma, you, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm both flattered and a little freaked out that you know me so well. Uh, Emma and I have more highlights, personal highlights of 2021 from Wait Wait for You, and we will be back with them right after this. Bye. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. We Were the Lucky Ones is the true story of one Jewish family's struggle to survive and reunite after being separated at the start of World War II. The series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including Outstanding Limited Series and Outstanding Lead Actress and Actor in a Limited Series for Joey King and Logan Lerman. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, Here on your podcast feed, it's me, your host, Peter Sagal, along with our social media superstar, Emma Choi, and we are going over our individual personal highlights, the things that made us happy as people from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this year. Um, I believe I'm up. Uh, yes, you are, had, sir. Again, we had a fine array of guests this year. Maybe my favorite kind of guest is the guest for whom we have to do nothing and they just take it over. <laughs> I kind of love that. You lazy man. I am. I'm a little lazy. <laughs> and it, I just love to be able to sit back and let them do all the work. Uh, that had never been more true in the entire 23 history of the show than when we had on Jesus and Mero. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, currently hosts of their show on Showtime, which, by the way, uh, is written for by our good friend Josh Gondelman, who was also on the show with him that day. Uh, and if you've never heard them, uh, either on our show or anywhere else, 
Well, you were about to find out why they are basically the easiest guests you could ever imagine. Here's Jesus and Mero. Okay, a couple things I want to go back, circle back on. You sat on a pregnant Kim Kardashian at the VMA. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. So sorry, so, sorry let, Saint. <laughs> yeah. So let me tell you this. So we go to the VMAs. Yeah. This is the first time ever we've ever been to like invited to anything like this in life. Stop, wait a minute, before you whole... start, before you start, key to the note, we, people don't know this, the VMAs are open bar, we didn't <laughs> know this, so we thought we, thought we had a pregame, <laughs> yes. so we had a limo, we took the limo to a convenience store, and we just got, yes. like, liquor, so now we're at, we're on the, we're at the VMAs, we are sourced up, we're taking pictures with the limo driver, <laughs> yes. we're scaring people, we're so excited to be there, and, like, you know, we, we, it hasn't dawned on us, we're on TV as well, so all we're doing is just pointing at people, like, yo, Vanessa Hudgens, yo, oh, wow, uh, that's Beyonce, I mean, oh, that's Rita Ora, oh, all right, whatever, so we're just running around, and we're just bothering everybody, you can see, they're just like, who are these two, everyone's like, who are these two people, why are they talking to everybody, and we're not talking to them, like, hey, do we work on a project together, we're going to, hey, Jada Smith, you're, and they're like, yo, we're trying to record, we're trying to record. And because, you know, we're a little out there, a little drunk, a little smizzy, I see there's got to be like seven feet four tall Russian guy talking down to my guy, Miro. And, you know, every, so, you know when you're like a little a little intox intoxicated, everything is like hazy and you don't really hear anything. All I'm just like, oh, you trying to fight my Bronx brother? I'll let Miro take it from <laughs> Yo, So I see, I see Kanye West and I'm like, this is it. This is our opportunity to get a photo with Kanye West. So I'm just like, hey, I'm like, yo, Kanye, what up? Yo, yo, big fan. You know what I'm saying? Like, just keep talking, like, hoping that he's like, do I do I know you? Like, whatever. Then, like, these said, Zangi from Street Fighter 2 <laughs> stands in front of me. He's like, uh, my friend, you cannot come any closer to Kanye West. You cannot come. But your boy had had, you know, a little, you know, a little Springsteen juice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Please you feel me? Uh, I was, I got very bold. You know what I'm saying? And I, I grew to his height magically. And I was like, nah, if Kanye doesn't want to take a picture with me and my man Jesus, I want him to tell me that, not you. And then he's just, and then Kanye's just like, I, I don't know if it's like out of pity or what. He's just like, he's like, all right, man, come over here. Come over here. Yes. So then well, we go over no, there. He makes no effort to get out of his seat. And so we have None. to crouch down to take the photo. So right. as I'm crouching down, like I back into a pregnant Kardet, a pregnant Kim who's sitting oh, no. there because I, I did not realize she's tiny. She is tiny in real life. Yes. So then I back into her and I guess she's like Kanye. She's in like that nasally voice. And Kanye turns to me and says the greatest quote. And I want this on my gravestone when I go home. She goes, watch out for my wife, dog. <laughs> like, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. You know. Oh <laughs> you, you think you have talent for broadcasting. You think that you've put in the time and you've learned your craft, and then you run into these two guys and you realize you know nothing. Guys. It was terrible. Peter, I love this for so many reasons. They're also on my list, and I'm very happy we're synced up. But I, okay, I loved that interview, and but the part I loved the most out of the interview is when they started fangirling over Bill. Do you remember that? Oh, that was amazing. So Amazing. Uh, I am told, and I realize I'm jumping on your thing, but I love this too. I am told that this actually did not make the air so people are hearing this no, didn't. Um, amazing live moment from that taping for the first time Jesus and Mero I have a feeling we really could talk to you all day but we have in fact some business to do we have asked you here to play a game that we're calling knowledge darts try these darts that voice Bill Bill, Bill. that wow. voice Woo. is that velvet <laughs> yo listen we gotta take a moment we gotta oh. take a moment to right, acknowledge Bill's velvet vocal they are made of silk bro that's a 
Bro, that's a 1980s voice right there. That's a guy that's been in the industry. Okay, he's seen things. That's velvet. Hey, Wait a minute, guys. <laughs> apparently, you're new to the phenomenon, of Mr. Curtis. You see on his uh, Zoom picture right there. You see behind him, there's a stand-up of Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. Uh-huh. That's because. Yeah. Oh. Not only did Bill Curtis narrate that movie, but I believe that the character of Ron Burgundy was based in part on him. I was literally wow. about to say that. I was wow. like, "Are you the 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 Kramer reality tour version <laughs> wow. of Anchorman? This is great." But, well, you're Anchorman my hero. Number three will be Desus and Marrow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Let's you know go. the best part? I'm, just, I'm hearing that voice. I just want to put it on like just a just a most inappropriate mixture. I just want to say inappropriate things while a rapper is rapping. I, I, I I've it. known Bill for a while. I think he'd be happy to do that. I'm very glad that everybody now knows that Bill Curtis is, in fact, the funniest person on this show. I love that man. He's quite remarkable. Um, I've got one more here. I've got a couple more. Um, I'm going to be uh, a little honest with you, Emma, Sure. uh, in in that uh, a lot of times we have people on uh, from the world of hip hop (laughs) and I am at a loss because I am the least hip hop person in the world. Yeah, that's a Uh, fair assessment. And so when they come on and are just amazing and they make it easy for me, I feel both gratitude and relief. And I have Mm -hmm. never felt that more than when we had T-Pain on the oh show. Oh my God, yeah. Who was really something. Uh, he's and amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. He's also, I think this is fair to say, NPR's favorite hip hop artist with his oh, yeah. amazing, yes. His, his tiny that, desk. His tiny desk. Most popular mm-hmm. tiny desk ever to that point, which we talked about. But mm-hmm. here is uh, T-Pain talking about how he likes to show off his skills in his daily life. Do you enjoy, uh, since so many people know you from the auto-tune numbers uh, some years ago, to just laying your real voice on them and just like knocking them out? I mean... It's kind of the only way I can do it. It wasn't like, it's not like a, you know, it's not like a party trick or anything. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. uh, you know, my 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 actual party trick and it's when it's time to like show off. Yeah. Birthdays. <laughs> when it's time to sing happy birthday. Is that when you let it rip? I'm going up top. Really? <laughs> That's the mark of a good singer when you can sing happy birthday and people are like, that guy's good. He's really that good. That guy's good. That guy's good. <laughs> that guy's good. <laughs> that's range. Now, that's some range. It's, it's the last one. It's that last, happy birthday to you. Ooh, and you got to like, you got to, or if everybody, if there's like a bunch of singers, I'll like throw a harmony in. Happy birthday to you. Like, you know, I'd go, that, that's, that's my time to shine. I know exactly where it's going. I know nobody else is going to divert from the standard uh, cadence. I mean, you know, most people are like, who are you? And why are you at my child's birthday party? But, you know, like a, you is, know. is that T-Pain in this Chuck E. Cheese waiting for someone to start singing? Thank you, T-Pain, for providing the song that will forever haunt my dreams of middle school. Shoddy get low, 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 low. Apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur. Everyone on the floor was looking at her. Peter, you must know this song. Oh, absolutely, yes. I'm internally yes. singing along. Peter, my next one actually ties in nicely to our rap theme that we're going with because I remember one of my favorite moments of the show ever was, which is, I guess, what the whole thing we're doing here right now is, is when we had Riza on and we talked to him about HGTV. Uh, we, we heard, I mean... You are into so many things and so good at many of them, but we did hear you have an, I will say, an unexpected enthusiasm. Tell me if it's true for HGTV. Yeah, who told you that? Uh, <laughs> I have 
I have a very talented producer whose job it is is to research our guests. And until this very moment, I thought she was pranking me. No, that's 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 like me and my wife' favorite pastime, yo. Really? <laughs> we fall asleep to HGTV. That's like at the end of the night, we watch everything, turn to HGTV, and bong bong. Do you have like a favorite show? Are you a Property Brothers guy? I mean, oh, the Property Brothers, whoa, baby. <laughs> really? <laughs> I watch them. <laughs> I. I feel like we're very close to the collaboration, the song Pabreem, Property Brothers Rule Everything Around Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're dope. Love and Alyssa is dope. I mean, look, we were so into Invested, uh, Flip It. Yes. Yeah, when they broke up, yeah, when they broke up the, 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 uh, the couple. Wait a minute. So, okay, so this is a show called Flip It, and it was hosted by this married couple. Yeah, when they broke up, it was like, that was like, dinner table talk at my house like yo then they gonna get back together. then they got back together i don't want to say their names but i know what you can say in this world right but then they get back together and they back doing the show again but they're not married no more mm-hmm. they they did a wu-tang move the show must go on i agree so i mean do you uh, the problem with watching hdtv is like <laughs> the problem with watching hdtv sorry you get eventually you get eventually dissatisfied with your own house right that's what happens to me too much. I, I envy too much. Well, you could also find a nice lamp. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a. That's how I'm going to think about everything in my life from yeah, now on. Yeah, yeah, Whenever I feel point. inadequate, I'm just going to shrink everything really small. Think about what's within my control and whatever the nice lamp is in that situation. I'm going to find my nice lamp. <laughs> I love that. That. We deserve a Pulitzer for that work, Peter. You we really do. broke that well, story wide on. open. <laughs> no, no, wait a minute. As I said in the clip when I was referring to the producer who had told me that Rizzo was into HDTV, who I thought was pranking me to that moment, that's <laughs> you, Emma, and you know that. I was, mm, I, you you were true. the person who dug that out. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is my last one, and it's close to my heart because I am a big fan of Broadway, although I am as not a big a fan, as it turns out, as Mo Rocca. Uh, we had uh, Andre De Shields, who is yes. one of the great Broadway stars. Uh, he was original uh, Wiz in The Wiz way back when. Currently, he's um, uh, Hermes in Hadestown. Yeah, I think amazing. his legal name is Broadway legend Andre De Shields. That's true. That's true. It's actually on his driver's license. And uh, one of the great things about having Andre De Shields, in addition to him being a gentleman and a scholar of, and just a remarkable guy, is Moe's story about how long and exactly how he has idolized Andre De Shields. Now, can I just say, Andre, when I fell under your spell in 1988... Uh-oh. I was an usher over the summer at the National Theater in Washington, D.C. Ain't Misbehaving was what re- came through a revival of the show. Yes. So I got to watch you 40 times. And I looked at you and I thought, I want to be your understudy in this show. Will they ever take a look at me for that? Well, that time is coming. <laughs> I would love to see you play the Viper. It ain't misbehaving. <laughs> but I, know, I, really, I just don't know that I could actually sing the role. It would just be too, I don't know, it would be too challenging. But Mo, you'll remember my tour de force moment in Ain't Misbehaving is... I can't give you anything but love, baby. <laughs> no. It's the one thing I got plenty of, baby. Talk about dreaming a while, scheming a while. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Same reefer song, Viper's Drag. 
<laughs> That's the 24th. Wait, start it, start it. I dreamed about a reefer five feet long, a mighty <laughs> immense, but not too strong. I, I, no offense, Mo, but I'm really glad I got to see Andre DeShields do that role. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I know. Peter, this is crazy because Mo is also on my – he's one of my favorite panelists. He's my mom's absolute favorite panelist. And I, I also have a moment with Mo and a musical theater legend, the all-time wonderful man, Mandy Patinkin. Can I talk to you about your musical theater life? No. Um, you, you, <laughs> but, but you have to. You have to let me do this because you don't know this, but when I was 12, we had a very intense relationship. I, I learned every single lyric of the musical Evita. I became obsessed with it. And I didn't know how professional theater worked. And one day it dawned on me, what if Mandy Patinkin is sick one night and can't be in the show and people show up and I know all the lyrics to Che. I need him to know that he can get in touch with me in case he needs to take the night off so all those people aren't disappointed and I can be a 12-year-old Che Guevara in Evita. So I just want you to know that I'm available. Your mother had called me about this years ago, and I've had the number <laughs> in my book ever since. I tried to get you twice, and you were busy. <laughs> Mo, do you still know the lyrics to the Che part in Evita? Oh, what a circus. Oh, what a show. Argentina has gone to town over the death of an actress called Eva Perón. You can take it from here. <laughs> you crazy morning all day and morning all night. Falling over ourselves to get all of the misery right. Very good, Mo. I'm not going to say a word. (laughs) (laughs) Mo, would you do something at my memorial? Oh, I'd love to. I can do it from your Yiddish album. I'll try that. (laughs) Okay, I'd love that. Peter, real question. Do you ever think that Mo just treats our show like an audition for Broadway? Yeah, I think that's basically it. One of the things we found out, and it's weird because those interviews happen about eight months apart, Mo wants to be on Broadway, Broadway producers. So bad. <laughs> so very, very badly. So if you're out there, throw the guy a bone. I mm-hmm. guarantee you he's lovely to work with. He brings snacks. He shows up on time. He's the best. Well, this, is, this has been great fun, Emma, to find, out that, to find out that you and I like some of the same things. And, uh, like, for example, you both like it when I go in the air and praise you specifically. That's something we both share. That's really great. (laughs) Absolutely. I remember, I love this year that, you know, we we learned so many things together this year, Peter. I taught you what a weeaboo was. You taught me who those two guys are about Watergate. (laughs) And then I taught you. (laughs) I taught you You can't even remember their names, can you, Emma? No, it's something in Costello or something. Something like that. Abbott and Costello. I don't know. Yeah, those were them. But it's been an amazing year for Wait Wait, and next year's going to be even better. Maybe next year they'll even let us out of our houses. Oh, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Peter. (laughs) Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Emma Choi, our social media superstar. I'm Peter Sagal, and we will be back in your podcast feed with a whole new show next year, which isn't that far away. No, it's not. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year to everyone and to you, Emma. And to you, Peter. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. 
So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.